Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which of course means on Sunday I was at Gillette Stadium in the outpost in Massachusetts known as Foxborough, where I watched Sam Howell take another step towards becoming perhaps the Washington Commanders' Long-term answer quarterback, we still got a ways to go there, but obviously it is something now that is getting more and more steam as how, uh, and the offense, uh, well, really the whole team, the defense as well, of course, uh, led Washington to a 20-17 win over the New England Patriots in the team's first game following the Tuesday trades of Montez Sweat to Chicago and Chase Young to San Francisco, so I want to get through Kind of the day in uh, the day with the commanders, and also like contributions from a lot of different pieces, including a lot of the rookies. But easily the best game for the rookie class this year. We'll get to all that in a moment here on the podcast, which you of course can find on iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. If you got, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any of the podcasts we have coming down the pike, as well as anything else here. Uh, over the, not just the season, but into the offseason as well. In addition, make sure to check out The Athletic. My story up today is about Sam Howell and that growing confidence. Not, you know, we've talked before about Ron Rivera. Kind of keeps changing the topics a lot and throws it at, and, and, and spins it towards Sam Howell as the reason this, what this season's all about. Well, he's not wrong at this point. Um, even though the commanders now at four and five are right there, Crazily enough, in the mix for the uh, seventh seed in the NFC. So we'll get to a bunch of that in a moment here. Um, interesting game. It's one I'm, I'm I'm glad I don't necessarily need to rewatch it again. I mean, I will watch the tape, but I mean rewatch it or like live it again in real time. You have a three and five Washington team that's been reeling, coming off a uh, you know back to back losses and dealing with the aftermath of the two trades that we just mentioned against the New England team that is certainly not even close to being one of Bill Belichick's good ones at 2-6. and six. You know, they've got a solid enough defense for sure, but their offense is pretty pedestrian um, on so many levels. So kudos to the commanders for getting the win. I'm not ready to say, look out playoffs, here they come. But let's talk again after next week, because next week they're in Seattle to play the Seahawks, who got absolutely smushed by the Ravens today. So we'll see what the what if that says something about where the Seahawks are going or just ramps them up to uh, come out strong next week. We will see. But we know that the Commanders at least are going into Seattle with a bunch of momentum. Now, let's go through a few things here. Uh Let's start with Sam Howell, as I said. Now, it is no 
it, it is for real that this season, certainly for me, they're going to have to do a lot more for me to feel like the playoffs are not so much in reach because they're only one game out of the seventh spot, but like that it means something more than just getting in um, for the long-term health of this team. I think, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't make the playoffs. I'm just saying if there's, if there's not like a full throated effort to get there, then I don't know what it means that much, but that's not the point for the players or the coaches or many of you out there. Um, And right now, Sam Hell is doing a lot to help that last week against the Eagles in the loss. Four touchdown passes and 397 yards. This week, another 300-yard-plus game. He threw a touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson, an absolute dime, going deep um, against the Patriots. Perfect throw for a 33-yard touchdown. Um, he had a great run on a third and 23 play. He picks up 24 yards, sort of ping-ponging off of various New England defenders. He also had one of the game's worst plays that if Washington had lost, would easily have come back as a what-was-he-thinking kind of play. It still is that. But his interception throw in the end zone, you know, right near the end of the first half, was an absolute debacle. Uh, the, the play was coming to right towards the, the, the press box. We're in the kind of basically to the end zone a little bit um to the, to the left, but basically the end zone. So we could see it coming, and all of us in the press box were, as it was happening, going, okay, he's just going to throw this one away. And then inexplicably, he threw it back inside to Jahan Dotson, but Dotson was, I don't know, a double, triple team, but he was definitely covered. New England picked it off and went into the locker room up 14-10. to 10. Clearly, Rivera was not happy about any of this, understandable. Um, he went into the locker room, he saw... Jacoby Brissett talking to Hal. He saw that Hal was a bit upset. Again, understandable. But this is a kid who really, his demeanor pretty much stays the same. Well, kind of almost no matter what, Rivera said that he talked to Hal for just briefly and that he saw a grin come across Hal's face. And he said to us afterwards, that's when he knew Sam would come back and play well because he's got that resiliency. And play well he did. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned the, t- the touchdown throw to Dotson. Both Dotson and Hal said it was a cover zero from the Patriots. And knowing what New England's uh, MO is, they planned on some options with cover zero. Um, most of the time, and, and that means you know, no safeties deep uh, sending blitzers. So most of the time, they, they countered it with a lot of quick throws and screens. I thought this was second week in a row, Eric Bieniemy. I thought, called, called some, his better stuff this year. It feels like to me they are finally stopped running the Kansas City offense and adapting to what is the reality here between Hal and the line and others. In any event, uh, <clears throat> Hal recognized the cover zero again, and the setup was perfect to go for Dotson. Deep, perfect throw. Dotson's running full speed, has to make a catch. The ball sort of uh, right in front of him. Um running towards the end zone, perfect throw, great catch, tied the game at 17. And then on the next drive, uh, Hal had a couple of really good um, throws to Terry McLaurin that picked up huge yards and set it up for a Joey Sly field goal that ultimately proved to be the game winner. You know, we've talked about when is Washington going to find a quarterback forever in these parts, right? 
it, it, it it's you know the iterations just under Rivera alone, right? Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Carson Wentz trade. Now how? That's not even factoring in Taylor Heineke and Alex Smith, right? There has been to forget Kirk Cousins and RG three. We're way past that at this stage, and <clears throat> we don't know where Hal is going, but he has continued to give them more and more reason to believe that he might be the answer. Forget, uh, you know, Rivera, I would argue, trying to change the subject often, spin it away from the losing and some of the negative that's swirling as his uh, job is in somewhat jeopardy at the end of the year, we would think, and spinning it to it's all about the quarterback. Again, he's not wrong, and Hal is giving real justification as to why he may legit be that guy. But we'll see. He's, he's also <coughs> throwing interceptions. Um, pretty consistently now. Uh, one good thing, though, is, of course, the sack totals have dropped a lot. After 40 through 70 games, they're now only at 44 at, after nine games. The Patriots had three today, but I thought for the most part, how did a pretty good job of recognizing when you needed to get rid of the ball quickly and not taking any that were overly... Uh, drive killing as far as I can recall off the top of my head here. So I thought that was a better job. The line, you know, again, the they, two games in a row, Chris Paul at left guard, Tyler Larson at center definitely makes a difference. Um, <clears throat> or, or at least it has made a difference for sure. Um, you know, again, New England, pretty good defense, but they're not one of the better defenses in the league statistically at this point, even if Belichick, you know, is still a Jedi master over there. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, onward and upward for Sam Howe. I, again, I, I think this is, you know, this is also, I think, basically two weeks in a row, the offense has been pretty good or good enough. And that has not been the case for most of the year in terms of back-to-back weeks. So, kudos to Sam Howe. Um, just to stay with the offense, I also thought Antonio Gibson had an underrated day. Season-high 11 touches for 76 yards. As a running back and a receiver, he made a bunch of plays. They did stick with the running game more in general. I think that was also key. Howe still threw the ball 45 times, but they ran the ball, the two running backs, about 24 times. So uh, good commitment there. Brian Robinson did have a fumble that set up the Patriots for a short field and eventually a, a touchdown pass to Hunter Henry. But overall, the offense did a pretty good job today um let's get to the defense um i'm not going to sit here and say again but let me look at the tape of course for all these things and get a better feel but you know i'm not going to say they didn't miss montez wet and chase young i mean washington had zero sacks i believe they only had one tackle for loss that and and again new england's offense is just not good um that said, other than the 64-yard touchdown run by Ramondre Stevenson, they were, the Patriots' offenses did not do much. In fact, um, Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, beyond that run, combined for 40 yards on 14 carries. Uh, the, Mac Jones was largely ineffective. He got hot. You know, New England had two touchdowns on consecutive series, each with under a minute. But for the most part, Washington really kind of shut them down. I believe the stat was... It was the first time under Belichick that the Patriots had five consecutive drives of 50 or, or less of less than a minute. 
that included those touchdowns, but it, I think it was a sign of how Washington was doing a pretty good job for the most part of getting New England off the field fairly quickly. Um, I'll be curious to see how James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill performed uh, play over play. So um, <clears throat> we'll see about that. Um, and you know, look, I mean, there's still some concerns, right? Jamie Davis, I don't know what the what his uh, the final stats were, but he was getting beat pretty consistently against the pass. He did make a nice play when I believe Stevenson had him beat for the wheel route, um, but in general, that that, that you know that, that remains a problem. David Mayo on that Stevenson run, from what I could see, it looked like Deron Payne got pushed out, and that was opening up a lane one for David Mayo to come in behind it and fill it, except instead of going into the lane, he veered off more towards the middle, got blocked there. That opened the hole for Stevenson, and he just took off from there. But that said, some other good things happened on defense, particularly from the rookies. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes. Haven't talked about his name positively in some time. We will do that today, though. Um, had some really good... Uh, past deflections, he was involved. I think this is a really, really good spot to give this kid some confidence after what has been a really miserable uh, start to the season for him. New England's pass receivers, their best one is Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's really kind of been a non-factor this year for, for the Patriots. And, you know, he, he's not really, you know, he's not a, a, a physical threat. He's not a speed threat. He's just a solid receiver. And, I think Forbes, when he was matched up there, did some good things. Other New England receivers are, you know, I'm not disparaging them. I'm just saying it feels like New England's receivers were more in that time when Washington was using guys like Kelvin Harmon and Cam Sims a lot um, as, like, high in the rotation. So good for Forbes, no matter who he's playing, to get back in there, have a good game. It was nice to see his teammates support him as well. Cam Curl, Benjamin St. Juice did that on uh, social media. So... Kudos to Forbes. Um, also, Quan Martin, second-round safety. I, I don't know how many snaps he ended up playing, but he had one of the plays of the game. Um, he picked off Mac Jones off a deflection late in the game that sealed the win for Washington. Um, speaking of the uh, of the rookie defenders, uh, one of the most ridiculous plays of the game of the season was when KJ Henry, who had not been active at all this year comes around the corner and just absolutely puts a perfect hit on Mac Jones for the sack and the ball pop loose. Washington, I believe, recovered, except that the referees called a roughing the passer penalty. Ron Rivera said post-game that New England, or that the referees stated that Henry like put it, like basically landed with all his weight on the quarterback, and that was a no-no. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> in this era of you know, can you even, you know, what does it even mean to, to play football sometimes? This was uh, Exhibit A. Regardless, well, I shouldn't say regardless. I think the biggest bummer beyond that, what it meant for Washington was this was Ken, KJ Henry's real first opportunity, and he's going to come up with this huge play only for it to get wiped out. The, the coaches saw it. His teammates saw it. That's a good sign um, going forward. Uh, Seventh-round DN, Andre Jones, had a pass deflection. And we won't forget running back Chris Rodriguez on special teams absolutely popped the New England player um, 
at Pop the New England Returner. So this was, again, the best day collectively for this group. I thought that was um, a good sign uh, for sure. Um, just a couple other quick notes here. We'll get into this you know, more later in the week as we look forward, look, look toward the Seattle game uh, on the road this Sunday. So no Curtis Samuel. We knew that was going to happen uh, because of this lingering toe injury. But Washington got a nice game from some other contributors. Byron Pringle, three catches, 55 yards. Uh, De'Ami Bryant, two catches, 33 yards. That's on top of Dotson, four, 69 and one. And Terry McLaurin, five, four, 73. Jameson Crowder also four catches along with Logan Thomas. So, um, you know, good balance there with Samuel out uh, for sure. Um, one weird thing that happened, you guys know I love the stuff at the back of the roster that nobody else cares about, but I find to be super fascinating as a look into what does what does an organization think top to bottom. Uh, so we know that Ricky Stromberg, I would imagine he's eventually going to go on IR. For whatever reason, they haven't done that yet. But without him healthy, they were down to only eight active offensive linemen. Trent Scott, who's typically inactive, got added to the main roster. So they on Saturday, act, uh, they elevated uh, two offensive linemen from the practice squad, including Nolan Laufenberg, who was just brought up the other day, only to uh, not activate either of them for the game. That's pretty weird, but the way it was explained to me was the league mandates essentially you got to have eight offensive linemen. Washington had the eight, but if somehow they woke up, somebody woke up on Sunday, uh, you know, can't move their neck, they got the measles, abducted by aliens, whatever it may be, they would be in a jam. So that's why they did this. Ultimately decided not to, to pick up either guy. I don't know why... They bothered to do two, but that's why that happened. So I wanted to note that. I, I kind of made a snarky comment on Twitter. That's what they did. Still seems a bit odd, but in any event, that's what they did. And, and, and one other one on that front, cornerback uh, Tariq Castro-Field was inactive, um, which was weird because he had been active the previous three weeks while he was on the practice squad this week. They add him to the roster but make him inactive. Here's my best guess on that. Along with Forbes being more involved in the defensive rotation, I think this says to me that Castro Fields, they view as more of a cornerback than a special teams player, whereas Christian Holmes, they view more as a special teams player instead of a corner. Therefore, with Forbes being more involved, they went with the, spe the better special teams player rather than another corner. That's at least how I see that one all right here's how i see this going i think i see me signing off here and getting ready to close up shop in boston get flying back to dc tomorrow ron rivera will speak around three o'clock uh to give us some updates uh of what he saw on the tape and start pivoting the week towards seattle so thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast of course again make sure to check out my article on the athletic uh, about Sam Howell. Also, I didn't say, but uh, David Aldridge was with me as well. He wrote about 
the rookies and, and some of the younger guys contributing. So make sure to check that out as well on The Athletic. But that is it for now. Uh, this team, they never, they never just completely die off. They, you know, I don't know which, I don't know which horror movie character they would be, but they, they, they are something. Um, and anyway, we'll see where this goes next week in Seattle. That's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.